0: The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.
1: Okay, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. Uh, another great show ahead, brought to you by Pappas Financial. And speaking of Pappas Financial, we've got the, the lead guy himself at Pappas Financial, Norm Pappas, on with us, co-hosting today. Norm, glad to have you.
2: Glad to be here. Yeah. You have um, just lost my voice, but uh, <laughs> we have some really interesting people today. Um, the first person... Uh, went into business with his mother and ended up being the entrepreneur. And now, that's a story. That's a story. That's a story. Her own.
1: Right, right. The story, uh, going into business with your mother. Story. Going into business is hard enough as it is. Going into business with your mother. Wow. We want to we hear how the, all that played out. Of course, it can. Uh, w- you know, we, we, we selected the guest because it turned out to be a great story. But uh, we're, we're looking forward to hearing about that. And the second guest, Norm, you're about to tell us.
2: Yeah, the second guest is starting her own consulting practice in social impact organizations, which is a big discussion point these days.
1: Okay. We want to learn more. We want to learn more. And if you want to learn more out there, if you're dialed in and tuned in, pencils and paper and pens ready to take notes, uh, we've got a great show ahead for you. Norm, let's bring on our first guest. I know you've done, by the way, you know, you have reached out to your the members of your community and done such a great job bringing on uh, really high-quality guests on the Startup Nation. Today's show will be no exception. Tell us who we have today.
2: So first, Mike Cosgrove has been in his business for 25 years. It was started 32 years ago, and he started learning this business when he was in high school and through college and is a very effective business owner, and they do some unique things for businesses. So I'll let you talk a little bit, Jeff, with Mike, Sure. and uh, we'll see what we can learn for the rest of the entrepreneurial
1: world. Now, we first have to know, I think Mike is the gentleman who not only learned about this business in high school, but ended up going into this business with his mother. Mike Cosgrove, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Is that so?
0: Jeff Norm, thank you for having me. Yes, that uh, that is so. And and uh, I'll, I'll say this: my my mother, Kim Fricky, uh, phenomenal business lady, grit as all get out. And, uh, and and like like a lot of moms, all she had to do was give me that look, and I knew I was oh, doing something wrong.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, if it were me in that situation, I never would have risen in the ranks because I never would have gotten anything right. My mom was is and, and you know lovingly so so demanding. Uh, and so exacting, and, and sure. uh, I guess there's a lot of positives that come with that. But, Mike, it's good to have you on. Tell us your, your business, uh, t- Professional Concepts Insurance Agency, but, or PCIA, uh, is a simpler to, way to refer to it, but tell us what you do.
0: Sure. We, hey, before we've you around
2: does 30. that, Mike, i got to warn you, both Jeff's mother and my mother <laughs> listen to this show, and your okay. mother's going to be listening to this well, show. Well, we've got a tough audience. So you have three women.
0: I've always said, you know, the definition of grit, if you look it up in the dictionary, my mom's picture's there, but I have a feeling your roles are there, too.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. No question about it. Well, who are we kidding, though, Norm? We've got Susie Pappas, your wife, listening to the show. We better be on our toes, I'll tell you that. That's for sure. All yeah, right. That's true. That is true, indeed. Love Susie. But uh, talk about demanding. She's, uh, she's on her game. All there. All right. Listen, guys, let's get right to it. So, uh, Mike, you were about to tell us about what your business does. We want to hear
0: Sure. PCIA has been around 32 years, and we focus 100% in the commercial space professional service organization. So our clients are architectural firms, engineering firms, environmental firms, CPAs, lawyers, technology. That's the space that, that, uh, that we work within, super involved in the association um, for, the, for our types of clients. But uh, those are the kind of firms that we work with all day long very different than the typical business model for an insurance agency. An insurance agency typically, you know, might write homeowners and and auto and a little bit of commercial here and there. Totally not our space. Uh, We have clients all over the world with offices all over the world and uh, work with about 1,000 firms here uh, domiciled in Michigan, which is amazing.
1: And the scope of insurance product that you provide uh, is what?
0: So for those firms, it's really any type of coverage that those folks need. So professional liability is always a big a big component for those types of uh, types of companies. But we ha- handle their businesses, their properties, their workers' comp, their auto fleets. Um, their cyber liability coverage is a huge thing any longer, but uh, really any type of coverage, even the benefits we get involved in for those kind of clients. And, and one of our, our big things for our firms is helping them with their continuing education. So we go into their offices last year, 2019. It's been a little bit, le- a little bit lower in 2020 with COVID. But uh, in 2019, we did, I think, 119 seminars, our group, for our clients' offices. So we go into their offices, and in a lunch hour, you know, an hour and a half lunch and learn type session, we do all kinds of different educational training programs.
1: You know, I, um, I'm really interested in hearing, it's one of the things that gets overlooked. When entrepreneurs get into business, they think about their business plan, they think about their funding, they think about their team, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of people don't, I mean, not only do they not think about it, they don't know how to think about whether or not and how to include insurance coverage for their businesses. It still is something that, you know, for startups, for young entrepreneurs, people just getting into business, it's a bit of a mystery. And uh, if we could lean on you to learn a little bit more about what and how startups ought to be thinking about with respect to insurance, that would be something I know our audience wants to hear about. And we'd love to hear it from an expert like you. In addition, when we come back, we're going to go to a quick break. You know, I think, uh, I mean, well, we all know that COVID is changing so many things in business and no doubt, I'm sure you guys are thinking about it intensely as it represents new uh, areas of opportunity for not only Issues as it relates to liability and so on, but also coverage opportunities for your business. We'd love to hear about that as well. So, uh, we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back after this break, Mike, and uh, we're going to hear from the expert to get all of our startups out there equipped with the right coverages. Stick with us on Startup Nation Radio. All right. Welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Norm Pappas co-hosting today, and we've got Michael Cosgrove. Mike, uh, your company is PCIA. You're in the insurance business, and, you know, as I mentioned before the break, a lot of startup companies just getting started, they think about the, what they think are the fundamentals, the blocking and tackling, but certainly I know you'd argue for, and Norm, knowing what you know, I know you would too. You've got to have certain insurance coverages in place as well. Uh, they can differ from business to business, of course, but, Mike, in general, People starting a business today, first, give us kind of the breadth. What's on the a la carte menu, and then what are the key things to think about that you need to make sure you cover yourself for?
2: Uh, Mike, also where you have been invaluable to clients in areas they aren't even aware of. So there's are the basics, Jeff's asking, and then your unbelievable
0: solutions. Sure. So from a basic, basic standpoint, professional liability coverage, if we're talking professional service organizations is a is a 101 general liability every type of care every type of firm out there if you're a flower shop if you're an architectural firm a cpa firm you need general liability coverage every business needs general liability those are just kind of getting us started but then the one that has unfortunately become very very prevalent in today's space is that cyber exposure In cyber liability insurance an actual policy for cyber liability coverage is very different than a little tag along on a general liability policy. And so you want to look at that closely because in today's space of uh, getting the uh, ransomware against all of us, uh, we've had many, many firms in Michigan that have had that ransomware where they don't have computers for multiple weeks while they're waiting to figure out and negotiate a payoff in order to get the keys back to their business. That's incredible. Keys back to the computer system.
1: I didn't even know that existed, but that is a big problem and becoming a bigger problem all the time. Let's break this down for a second. Professional liability insurance, that's where, let's say, for example, uh, you could probably give a better example. I'm a doctor. You know, I certainly have to have professional liability insurance to protect against a mistake I might make in my practice or a claim that I've made one. So that's professional liability. General liability. I mean, I know that is, you know, someone walking into my florist shop, going back to your example and tripping and falling and, and, you know, then getting hurt. That would cover a situation like that. You got it. That. Okay. Cyber liability. Didn't even know that existed. But let's break this down. In today's world, it's even more acute in that now people are, you know, working from home more and more, which opens up all kinds of opportunities. You don't have the the, uh, VPN protection. You don't have other protections that companies would have in place to prevent access to sensitive data and information and just access. Working from home, it's got to make this even a bigger problem, but tell us about it, Mike. I mean, give give us some examples of some, what does this mean, uh, cyber liability insurance?
0: Sure. So cyber covers two main things. Number one, it covers if someone hacks into your system and takes your confidential information and or your client's confidential information. That's one big thing. It covers another large item that it covers, like I mentioned, is the ransomware. And a ransom would be you turn on the computer and you realize everything's locked down and they want X amount of what they call bitcoins, which are not easy to get a hold of, but bitcoins by the following week. And until they get the bitcoins, they're not unlocking your computer systems, And so you've got 50 people sitting around with no no, uh, way to operate because everything's in lockdown mode.
1: And most of these people, you can't even you know, find them. They're operating in places around the world that we can't access and can't get to them, can't stop it, can't prevent it, uh, can't police it, you know it's it's uh, and it's becoming exactly more. Pre- right. It's becoming more prevalent, right? I mean, it's a real threat.
0: oh, it, it's it's uh, every day we're dealing with with new situations in that space. and so you're dealing with folks in Russia, in Korea. and and what's interesting about this is with the insurance coverage, it 's almost like the movies they 're negotiating with these people because let 's say they 're holding us ransom for a million dollars and those are those are real those are real numbers in today 's space they 're negotiating that down to say seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and through the night they 're doing this negotiation in hopes that they can a- agree to a dollar figure. What is also interesting is it 's almost like there 's some sort of uh, underlying um, I'm trying to think what the term would be, but basically where there's a an honor system amongst the criminals that are holding us for hostage, because once you pay that money, the statistics show they almost always give you the keys.
1: That's incredible. Let, uh, it's really incredible. I don't know how else to frame it, but uh, let, me, let me ask you this. If I buy the cyber liability insurance coverage, you obviously, A, can't prevent it from happening, and B, you're not going to, well, I mean... Let me ask you, I'm figuring this out as I'm asking you the question. You guys provide coverage. Are you paying the ransom?
0: The insurance carriers are paying the ransom. The insurance carriers are negotiating. It's no different than like what you'd see in the movies with a kidnap and ransom situation. It's very much the same thing because they have kidnapped, hijacked your computer system. And so the insurance carriers are negotiating and unfortunately are paying ransom because they have determined that it's better to get that, get that data back so that our firms can be operational.
1: Unbelievable. What a world we live in. It's like the movies. I mean, that's why I stopped myself as I was asking the question. I, could, I couldn't imagine that that's reality. It seems like the stuff that only happens in the movies, but it's incredible. Well, Let's talk practically for a second. I mean, let's just say I've got a a new app I'm bringing to market. I'm a startup company here in Detroit. I've got a couple million dollars in venture financing, and I'm developing this app. Do I need to think about cyber liability insurance?
0: Oh, all day long. Absolutely. Cyber would would be a key component of that. I mean, our our technology-type clients, and and we've got uh, all different aspects of the spectrum as far as technology clients, That's definitely an absolute need in today's space with cyber coverage, as well as the professional and the general.
1: And, of course, it was a leading question that occurred to me as you were explaining it. Man, I want coverage for that because, look, you talk about taking sensitive information, data, files, contact information, other things. How about intellectual property? How about code, the very code, base code to your app that you've been, you know, pouring this venture money and all your heart and soul into, and all of a sudden it's gone, right?
0: Absolutely. Sure
1: i mean most definitely i mean incredible
2: most business owners are not aware and that's why professor cosgrove is doing 119 seminars a year educating businesses as to what they need
0: and, and not just me Norm. we got a we got a whole staff that uh, I'll, I'll say are much smarter than mike cosgrove kind of thing and, and so we've got a group of us that do a lot of these programs and uh uh, yeah, we're, we look forward to getting back in front of our clients and being with them face-to-face and doing programs in their offices for their, for their staff and helping to just, you know, educate them and helping them become a better risk.
2: One other thing, it, Mike has made the transition where his mother started the business, and we have Detroit is a lot of family businesses, and that's a whole story unto itself on, you know, making that transition to being the business owner from uh, high school and college training. Mike. You were on another path,
1: Jeff. Yeah, no, no. I just wanted to make sure we just have a couple minutes left, unfortunately. I, and and I've, I'll tell you, I've, I've learned some things in this call for sure. And I'm making no, taking notes because we'll be making some changes around here and, and looking at various other insurances for coverage here. Uh, sure. and, and, and and I'll be calling on you, Mike. But l- let me ask you this, uh, uh, COVID, you know, this crisis we're all facing. How is this changing exposure um, and, and, and I hate to frame it this way, but opportunities from a business standpoint for, you, for insurance companies.
0: Well, you, from, a, from a COVID perspective, you know, I, I, I guess I would talk more from our clients' uh, aspect. You know, I think that architecture and the way design is done and office concepts and restaurants and all the things that we enjoy in our lives, I think we may see some changes in that space. And, and, and it's, it's an involvement like anything else. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think we may see some changes there as well. And and from an insurance perspective, you know, sometimes we get the question about workers comp. What if a staff member, uh, says they get COVID at our office,
1: right? Exactly. With with
0: Something like a pandemic. Yeah. So with a pandemic, something like this, it would be very, it would be almost impossible for any of us to be able to determine exactly where we got Mm -hmm. it versus, the gas station when we pumped our gas and the doorknob mm-hmm. that we opened to go into a, you know, to get our dry cleaning, whatever the case might be. And so that's a very tough thing to, to really pinpoint into a workers' compensation type situation. Unless exactly. we sent someone over to, you know, say we had sent them over to China and they came back with it. That's a little bit different of a ball.
1: Interesting. Mike, time flies when, uh, either you're having fun sure. or, or you're being well educated and, uh, Listen, I was taking copious notes. I appreciate you being on with us and enlightening us a bit and uh, sharing a bit about your story. It's great to have you on, Mike. Thank you.
0: Great time,
1: Jeff. Thank you. Okay. Good. Mike's company, again, if you want to reach out to him, as I will be doing, is Professional Concepts Insurance Agency, PCIA. Go to the Startup Nation website, and we'll give you Mike's contact information to the company. And uh, I know he'll serve you well. We'll be back with more right after this break. We've got another great guest. Stick with us, Norm. We're going to tee up another guest as soon as we come back. Okay, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got Norm Pappas co-hosting. And uh, Norm, you're on a roll, Norm. You've you've brought some amazing guests onto the show for us. We really are appreciative. And uh, I know we're going to keep that string rolling. You've got another great guest for us. Tell us about our next guest.
2: So, Phaedra is a very interesting young woman. She is a lawyer, MBA, and started a consulting practice, likes business, and it's involving social impact organizations. And how she arrived here, Jeff, you're great at asking the <laughs> right question.
1: Okay. Well, it was, I can tell you this, Phaedra. You've got a lot going on, that's for sure. Uh, and we want to hear all about it.
2: <laughs> One other thing, she has a seven-year-old at home, Okay. while doing all
1: these other things. Well, that, that'll <laughs> keep you busy. Phaedra, Phaedra Wainaina from the West Bank Company, welcome to Startup yes. Nation Radio.
3: Thank you so much for having me, gentlemen, I truly appreciate the invitation.
1: Okay, great. Tell us about the West Bank Company. What is it? What do you do?
3: So, the West Bank Company is a full-service consulting and strategic planning organization. So we literally take small businesses and nonprofits with a social enterprise focus and walk them through from everything from business entity creation to program management and evaluation.
1: And so, so to break it down, um, are you, Phaedra, intersecting with me when I'm in the planning stage of a new business or when I'm in business and maybe need guidance and help and coaching to maybe get it more right?
3: So the beauty of West Bank is that we're able to – assist our customers at any age and stage in that process. So um, while we do have some customers and clients who are further along in their development process, we can revisit their strategic plan and see where they are in that internal development process to make sure everything's running as efficiently as it needs to. And then for businesses who are new to the field or emerging, we help them develop the plan that they want to use to market their business.
1: And, you know, uh, most entrepreneurs, most, think they've got a real handle on things. You know, they, uh, they're the pioneers, they're the innovators, they're the ones that know more about whatever it is they want to do than anybody else. Um, the, it's probably, I mean, it's interesting. I'm thinking about the psychology of it. it. It's probably tough in the beginning for them to ask for help or to know that they need it.
3: Absolutely. Uh, so what, actual, what tends to happen is, we have small business owners or nonprofit leaders who come to us to get a specific question answer, maybe um, how to write a grant or how to pr- what type of resources to pursue for a particular program. And then during our conversations, we ask the hard questions about whether or not they have the infrastructure and if the, the particular question they're asking is going to yield them the result they, they need. And then what you have happen is many business owners, many entrepreneurs, and many nonprofit leaders are visionaries and not necessarily integrators, which is not a bad thing. Um, we need those people to lead the flagship, um, but we also need people to integrate the policies and procedures to have things run effectively.
2: One thing that Phaedra has worked with a lot of nonprofits, but also for-profit, and once she gets this analysis done, she's actually helpful in getting them funding mm. in many areas. So that's a unusual combination of, just being a consultant, but able to connect with funding is also valuable.
1: And that's interesting. And Fader, your background, I'm curious about your background. You became a lawyer. Uh, was that with the intention of ultimately getting into business or was it really, did you get your degree and then decide not to pursue the, a career in law?
3: It is actually the, the latter. So um, I went to law school with all of the hopes and ambitions of becoming a labor and employment attorney, um, which I am thankful for the experience. And I will say it has been super beneficial as i've transitioned to business but what i found in my practice of law is that it wasn't necessarily the the human-centered involvement that i was looking for so i was still able to i'm still able to use some of the information that i've learned in law school to provide my customers with resources but i don't have to worry about going to court every day or um, any billable hours
1: well why did you uh, listen i have to uh, share a story norm i don't even know if you know this about me I went to one day of law school. <laughs> so I didn't quite make it as far as you did. I made the change much sooner and became an entrepreneur right away. But uh, I thought I might be on a path to becoming a lawyer as well. But uh, why did you decide not to pursue a career in law?
3: Um, I found out that law is a very specific, um, there's laws, if you will. So the entire structure is meant to fall within the set of guidelines. I found that my ability to kind of intersect all of my experiences across education, across law, are much better utilized outside of the practice of law, if that makes sense.
1: Here you are advising companies on, you know, uh, how to know the right direction to go in, how to access critical resources, how to come up with the right plan and strategy and all the rest. Uh, let me just ask you, uh, what makes you an expert? in this regard where do you have entrepreneurial experience yourself or where, is it formal training or do you have great instinct that you've proven you've been able to put to work and, and build your business based on testimonial success?
3: Absolutely. So it's a mixture of both. Um, I started my first company at the age of the 14. Um, it was a lipstick company, if you will. Um, I had four business partners and I've kind of learned the ropes to business ownership since then. Um, since that time I've started and sold, three other accounts with that in mind, um, but to answer your question, a lot of it was answering my own questions about business, trying to figure out what would be the best move to make next, and then in me trying to find that information. I've just come across a whole host of things that I've been able to repackage and kind of dilute, that I'm able to give my customers the meat that they need to be successful.
1: And you've built this business now. Tell us about it. I mean, for, for someone else out there listening who might be curious about getting into a business like this, and, and, and tell us how many, roughly in any given time, how many clients you're serving, um, you know, uh, how, what maybe what their makeup is, kind of a little bit about the clients you're serving, some of the challenges you're uh, helping them address, and so on.
3: So, um, as of right now, my clients include foundations, um, small nonprofits, small businesses with social impact. So I have about 30 small businesses that I'm working with, a foundation, um, a school district, and a small business as well. So we're able to help a wide range of clients who are in a wide range of industries. But the goal is that once we come in, we're able to get what the client is trying to execute. We ask them exactly what they would like. Worst case scenario, um, when I walk away from this, I would like to have these three things and then we scale up to meet those needs. If it's increased impact in a program, if it's increased revenue or access to resources or finances, and then we take them through our holistic curriculum. That starts with an assessment period. We do a SWOT analysis of the business or the individual to figure out where they can continue to build upon their strengths and where we can um, optimize answers to their weaknesses.
1: Interesting. So what I'd like to do, Norm, we're going to have to go to the break in a minute here, but when we come back, I'd like to actually you know, do a little role-playing if we could. And and maybe Norm and I could ask you some questions about challenges we either are really facing in our businesses or know that our clients are, or maybe uh, that we just uh, make up and throw at you. And we can have a little discussion amongst the three of us. I want to understand how the process kind of plays out, how the thinking works. You know, I really want to understand where the rubber meets the road and how you really put this to work uh, for businesses. I think it's a really highly needed service, um, you know, mentoring, coaching, guidance of any kind, uh, entrepreneurs, even if they don't know that they need it, uh, many and most of the time do and could really benefit from hearing an outside voice, if nothing else, just checking their strategy, you know, against a voice of wisdom. Norm, I know uh, you recommended Pedro for the program because uh, you believe in the power of that, Getting seeking that kind of guidance as well.
2: Yeah, she has a rare combination of turning companies that have great social impact but making them profitable at the same time
1: well now uh, that's got a ring to it i like the sounds of that we want to find out more about that and we want to do a little uh if we can uh, pick pick a couple of situations and go through the kinds of uh the the approaches that you would take just very generally obviously to solving problems and helping companies get on the right track we'll be right back with more right after this break All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. We've got Norm Pappas co-hosting, and we've got uh, Phaedra Wainaina on with us from the West Bank Company. Phaedra, Phaedra, I I know uh, Norm's got a question for you uh, that we want to go to right away. We're in our last segment here, and uh, I know we want to learn a little bit more about what it is that you do, how you do it, and Norm, I think you want to go after uh, getting an example uh, from Phaedra. Take it away.
2: Phaedra you know, people don't realize what social impact investing means for organizations. What would be an example or a couple examples that you could give us?
3: Absolutely. So, um, two clients that I am working with right now that I absolutely adore. Um, the first is millennials versus everybody, which is a membership based organization that focuses on providing, uh, professional development and mentorship opportunities for millennials across the country. So, um, This organization's vision and mission are centered around making sure that individuals between the ages of uh, 25 and 35 have the resources that they need to combat any professional issues that they may have, as well as a community where they feel safe having those those conversations. Um, I also have another client called AGI Construction. They are a full-service construction firm and general contractor. But they also provide training and community resources to people who are looking to do construction in their own homes. And this is completely free to them. They make this resource available, utilize their industry knowledge. Our goal with both of those organizations is to both leverage their their, um, visibility in the community as well as help them secure funding and streamline the programs and offerings that they currently have.
1: And so, Phaedra, you've told us about what the companies do. Let's, instead of uh, doing role-playing, let's actually... Uh, go to the examples that you've just given us. Tell us the kinds of things you are doing, specifically your company is doing, to support the initiatives of these companies.
3: Yes, so right now, both of those companies are in the midst of a new website development. So what we're doing with them is going through all of their um, intellectual knowledge, if you will, so all of the resources that they use, any handouts, toolkits, policies, and procedures that they have internally. And we're doing a full strategic plan where, going through to figure out what's working, what isn't working, if they're measuring the right data, and then putting that into an online platform. So once um, all of that is co- done, they're able to continue to operate their business uh, and provide this social mission, if you will, to communities while being profitable, while using a virtual e-commerce platform. So it's positioning these in-person organizations to completely online.
1: That's the hot space. I mean, nothing hotter right now than going digital, going online, that's for sure. And it is a mystery to those companies who haven't done it yet or haven't done it right. Um, Boy, I see that huge demand in that field. Huge opportunity.
3: To be completely honest, a couple of futurists in the industry, um, namely Hiram Israel from Bank of America, has discussed how interconnected we'll be online in just a few short months. And COVID has kind of expedited that process. So West Bank's goal is to be able to help all of our clients make that pivot as easy as possible. So continue to pursue that passion that you have, but understanding that profitability is going to come from online instead of in person as it has in the past.
1: Yeah. And the relationship you forge with the client is a uh, consulting type. They, they're paying for Are they paying hourly? Are they paying by the job? Is there, how do you typically create an arrangement between your company and the client?
3: So it ranges. Um, So for my individual clients, there are, of course, project and hourly rates available, depending on what the ask is. For my larger clients, many of those are project-based, so there's a, a flat rate to execute a series of deliverables.
1: Yeah, which I think is so critical.
2: There are a lot of foundations that are interested and have missions that want to develop these companies that Phaedra is connecting, getting them ready to then go for the grants.
3: Yes, and what you'll actually see is a lot of some, the vast majority of some of my social impact nonprofit clients are referred to me by foundations. So they have funders who are invested in them and they're just looking for somebody to help bridge that gap because while funding in the past has been largely around programming, we'll see in Detroit's philanthropy scapes, many of those funders are making the transition to funding operating costs. So making sure that you're investing in your staff, providing professional development opportunities, actually investing in program evaluation and management as opposed to just the program itself.
1: And where, how has the current pandemic affected your business? What are some of the things you're seeing? Uh, we talked about, you know, going online now, and you said how it's accelerated as a result of COVID. What else are you seeing that's going to no doubt create major change that the people will, and companies will need to draw upon expertise from uh, outside sources like you to help them navigate?
3: Um, So what COVID really revealed for a number of businesses, both S&P 500 and the mom and pops that you see on your drive home at the end of the night, is that many of these organizations did not have any crisis plan. There was no crisis communication plan about how they would talk to their stakeholders, nor was there a plan in place for what happens if we lose one of our valuable employees or if employees are not able to return to work. So working with clients to ensure that not only do they properly outline what positions they need in their company to run efficiently, but also making sure that there's a hierarchy and a chain of command Should any of those positions or policies have to switch at the turn of a dime.
1: Interesting. And I think spot on point on, uh, what, what about, I'm curious to know, you know, in listening to you and you have this, you've got this massive, the storehouse now of knowledge and perspective and strategy that, you know, is so invaluable, but, well, you know, and I know you mentioned was it was that you started a company at age 14, a lipstick company, you know, and then you gained experience over time. It's amazing to listen to you, um, you, you know, and I, I guess the, the, at what point did you did you even learn of the existence of this career opportunity or business opportunity, let alone make the decision then that this is what I want to do? Uh, how did you learn about it and why did you pick this path?
3: Um, to be completely honest, I've been running from entrepreneurship since I was 14 years old. Um, so I am a Ford and UAW baby. I, there's some sense of um, calm, if you will, having a steady paycheck, a steady income coming in. But what I found over time is there are so many people in my network who have a need and um, a desire to learn the information that I've been fortunate enough to attain over time. And my ability to enter some of those rooms has come with the responsibility to come back and provide that information to the people who need it. So West Bank is really just the culmination of that responsibility. I've been exposed to all of these things, um, and that actually goes back to where the name West Bank came from. So it does have a, a meaning behind it. Um, it's a reference to the West Bank of the River Jordan, which is where John the Baptist was able to baptize Jesus. And as I'm sure you're familiar, John the Baptist had been, commit, had been conducting baptisms for the large part of his adult life. But all of that was culminated when he was able to baptize the Messiah. So for me, uh, West represents all of those experiences and all that practice that I've had. And now I'm able to actually put it into play with these businesses that'll have a larger impact.
1: Hmm. Interesting, really powerful stuff. Um, Is this then, as you look down the road, is this the career path for you forever? Or do you see yourself ever wanting to or, you know, maybe moving from consulting to actually grabbing, uh, you know, a young company and, and maybe running it? You know, can you see yourself jumping from now? I know you're running your own company, certainly, and obviously doing it very effectively. But uh, have there been times or have you thought about, you know, wow, not only could I help this company, but I could actually, you know, jump in here and really take this somewhere?
3: Absolutely. And surprisingly enough, some um some new investment and business opportunities have presented themselves along that line, but I think right now I'm really enjoying uh, just the, the newness of being a, a full-time entrepreneur. And I really want to focus on strengthening West Bank um, wheelhouse, if you will. But I, I think sometime in the future, being able to acquire a business that I could fully run um, is definitely an option.
1: I think it's a, I think it's interesting. You've got an exciting career ahead of you. You've already had an exciting career to this point. And uh, Norma, uh, you know, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, Phaedra, we want to thank you for being on and sharing your story. And Norm, you scored again.
2: Yep. Thank you this so much. This is a gentlemen. good combination of business and social impact with foundations that Phaedra's working on, but she's got a lot of road in front of her. For sure as
1: to what she'll accomplish. Well, that we've run out of time today, but listen again, thank you both. And uh, we'll be back next week again with another edition of Startup Nation Radio.
0: The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.